Welcome to the Factory of Sadness! My name is Max Steiger. I am one of your co-hosts, joined as always by my best friend. Josh Shankman. What's up, everybody? Gotta love that delay between me saying my best friend and you introducing yourself. Happens every Look, look, episode. look, I'm just never really sure whether you're gonna say my name since you're doing the whole introduction or if it's always a transition, you know, I'm still getting used to it, okay? One of these times we'll say it's synchronized and it'll be a beautiful moment in podcast history. I, I doubt it, but, you know, we'll see. How you doing this week, Josh? You know, Max, I'm pretty good. I, um, I don't know, I got no complaints, back to school, um pretty standard boring stuff going on but i'm having a good time and i'm happy here so i'm you know having a good time what about you i'm doing great as well uh had a nice time celebrating valentine's day over the weekend josh as always you're my true valentine oh so we stop be together it, this year we were in spirit though exactly exactly so let's get to sports uh today we're recording this on wednesday the 17th right now um and there are two big birthdays two goats uh, of all sports in general, we got Michael Jordan and Jim Brown both celebrating their birthdays today. I don't know their years. I think Jim Brown is turning 85 and MJ is 57. Yeah, I'm not sure, but he's old. So, <laughs> yeah, both incredible players, obviously. Jim Brown, also an amazing activist and just an overall great person. MJ, also a great person. I personally don't think he's the go to basketball, but that is can be a whole nother episode whoa we could do an entire we don't episode that. on that uh i don't think we can do that all today <laughs> <laughs> definitely not um however it's not all happy news as this weekend we got the really really unfortunate news that vincent jackson passed away yeah. he was one of the players that we grew up with i honestly forgot about him <laughs> until i heard of the news um so a huge loss yeah in the a little bit. he really did a lot to help the um, veteran community. I didn't know about that. He did a lot of work uh, within his foundation, which worked to help uh, the veteran community. So wow, just that's a huge cool. I didn't loss. know that. Yeah, they're trying to figure out what's happening now. Some people are throwing around alcoholism, uh, bad concussions from his time in the NFL. I saw that as but well. It's all speculations at this point. Either way, it's a terrible loss. Hope his family is okay to the Bucks and Chargers community. He was a great man and a great player. So let's get into sports. <laughs> I I couldn't tell, sorry, if that was a pause or if my internet cut out for a second, which is why I didn't say <laughs> anything. But yeah, no, tragic tragic loss, and it seemed like the whole NFL community really felt that, especially because he had just left the NFL as a player, so it's super recent. And, you know, a right. ton of people from today's NFL played with him still. Yeah, so. he's only he was only 36, very young. Yeah. unfortunate passing yeah so let's get into it max uh unfortunately it's you know football's deadest moment of the year oh, uh terrible time football you know right now the best we could do is talk about pro days but even that's barely happening so do you have anything for the nfl uh yeah i think the big news that's going around right now obviously a lot of speculations on jj one where he'll go in free agency uh, the Browns are coming out as frontrunners, which is kind of crazy. It is kind of crazy. I don't really see it happening, but it would be pretty cool. The more that I hear analysts talk about it, the more I understand the value of it. Uh, I think that out of the teams that are interested, we have the most cap space. So he will probably get the biggest contract with us. And additionally, he won't have to do that much. 
Right. I mean, Miles Garrett is going to be getting double teamed, so he'll have an easy go. A lot of people are also talking about putting him on the inside and having him just be a completely versatile player. I, I would love to see it happen. That'd be I great. I can't imagine it will, but oh my gosh, it would be so much fun. I agree, but I honestly would be shocked just from everything I've seen about J.J. Watt for him not to go to the Steelers. I don't know if they can do it money-wise. Exactly, that's the issue. with how much he's made of his career, from everything I've seen from him as a human being, it would shock me if he doesn't want to play with both of his brothers. He's a big, big family man. So I would hate to go against him twice. I would love to have him on the team. Maybe that's the incentive is he gets to play directly against his brother twice a year. Yeah, I don't know if that's a good incentive or a bad incentive. I mean, they don't directly play versus each other, so that's maybe true. it would be okay. That's true. But sticking with the Steelers, um, today or yesterday, recently, I'm not sure the exact day, the Steelers GM talking about Big Ben, he called him the quarterback of today, but not the quarterback of tomorrow. He's not hinting as to whether Big Ben will be on the team. He said that, they're having talks and that he hopes it works out right it's not it's not looking too positive i mean look max to be honest as a browns fan i hope he plays another year <laughs> like really he exactly. was not good no not at all objectively he was not a good quarterback was he slightly above average probably but if you have an actually above average quarterback on that steelers team they make a hell of a lot more noise than they did this year yeah i gotta say i'm extremely worried that the Steelers will end up drafting a good quarterback in the draft, have him learn behind Big Ben, and bring him right back to the top. I'm very nervous about that happening. Yeah, that would not be so good for us. But you know what? We have, according to, I think, ESPN's early odds, the, like, ninth best odds at the Super Bowl winner for next year, so I'm excited. Those are very good odds. I think, if I read correctly, those are the highest since... Uh, we traded for OBJ because we skyrocketed in odds yeah, after we that got was OBJ. Very premature, but <laughs> anyways. All right, Max. Well, seems like that's about it for the NFL at the moment with nothing much going on. Let's flop over to that only active sport out of our big three at the moment, the NBA. And what bigger news is there to talk about right now? Other than last night, which I guess isn't really news, but interesting things to talk about. How about James Harden with no Kevin Durant, no Kyrie Irving, coming back from a 25-point deficit against the Phoenix Suns last night, Max? Yeah, I, I was not following it. Um, I woke up today and I saw that notification. I said, what? Yeah. Not only because of the comeback, but I didn't realize that Katie and Kyrie were not playing, so... I mean, just an incredible effort from James Harden. The thing that impresses me most about that is he only shot the ball 22 times, which is a lot for most people. But for James Harden, that is a significantly lower amount than he shot in Houston. And he shot it really, really well. 14 of 22 and 5 of 11 from 3 with 7 rebounds and 11 assists. This is a completely different player than the James Harden that we saw in Houston. So That's far, why yeah. they're finding success. Well, I don't know if I would say 18 and 12 on the year with, you know, three of the top 10 players in the NBA success, but I see what you're saying. And you know what? You're right. His passing has dramatically improved since going to the Nets, I think. And if he's able to kind of 
put aside his ego, the Nets are going to be a lot scarier than I thought they would be because I thought his ego would get in the way. Well, and we also thought that Kyrie's ego would get in the way, but he's he told James Harden, you're the point guard. I'm the shooting guard. I loved that. You're the I loved that because that's exactly that what it should move. be. Yes, and that's why James Harden is winning this game. Um, but I was listening to, I forget who it was today. Um, I was watching some analysts talk, and they were talking about the big three of the Nets last night, Joe Harris, uh, <laughs> Tyler Johnson, and Jeff Green. Tyler Johnson. They said. Nah, uh, Jeff Green or Joe Harris, more likely. That's what I said for the first one. Not even oh. James Harden. It was oh, Harris, Johnson, and Green, the supporting cast. Oh, okay. I now understand. Played very, very well. Yeah, and extremely it, well. It wasn't just a James Harden show. It was a whole team effort. Yeah, no, it was great. And that's what they're going to need if they're going to find success, um, which we'll touch on a little bit in a minute as well. So other news in the NBA. Um, when the Cavs played the Warriors, Draymond Green post game went absolutely off on the Cavs and I think it's warranted absolutely I've never been a fan of so a little background for those who don't know the Cavs are currently looking to trade Andre Drummond and so they decided until they can find a trade partner they're not going to play him I I see the idea in that uh, it's a multifaceted idea one that you don't want him to get injured because then you can't move him and two, you don't want him to get into a crazy slump um, because he knows that he's going to be leaving. So we might not. I don't. I don't even know what it is. But you don't. You don't want his trade stock to go down. So you decide to sit him. That's terrible for the player. Absolutely. And that's. I think that Draymond Green was completely correct. Hundred percent off. Um, and the Pistons are also doing something similar with Blake Griffin right now. Yeah, I mean, we talk. Well, Blake Griffin makes more sense because he's always injured. But we talk a lot. <laughs> A lot, a lot, a lot about loyalty and how crazy it is that in the NBA today, players can, you know, just say, I'm going to get traded. And then they force their way out of situations. And there's a lot of critique and backlash on them. And this is exactly what Draymond's saying. I actually have the quote up, so let me read it real fast. He said, because when James Harden asked for a trade and essentially dogged it, I don't think no one's going to fight that James was dogging it his last days in Houston, but he was castrated for wanting to go to a different team and everybody destroyed that man. Yet a team can come out and say, oh, we want to trade a guy. And then that guy is to go sit, and if he doesn't stay professional, then he's a cancer and he's not good in someone's locker room, and he's the issue. It's an amazing quote. Yeah. Uh, he's talking about the double standard, and he couldn't have explained it any better. I'm totally not a Draymond Green fan, and this quote's no, fabulous because, I, yeah, I hate Draymond Green. Besides the point, <laughs> he's absolutely right. We talk about how ridiculous it is that players can just say, nope, I'm out. And it happens, but teams don't give the players the same respect when it comes to them moving them. Yeah, it's definitely a possible route for the lack of loyalty is the disconnect between the team, the organization, and these players. There's not much mutual respect in many situations. There are very few cases exactly. where an organization respects the players as much as they should. Yeah, I mean, you look at the... I mean, I guess a better way to say it is there's a big balance that is struck between business and relationships, right? That's the whole thing. You can't succeed if you, the team doesn't have relationships. And a lot of times what gets fractured is the relationship between the players and the ownership slash management. And the management is solely focused from a business perspective. And since there's no blend, 
they're all screwed. Yeah, it's a big issue within the NBA community. Not something that you see in many other sports, um, but it, it definitely is why the NBA is moving into such an individualized process instead of you play for who you play for. You're playing for right. yourself and your success. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'm not a fan of it, but I did enjoy Green calling out the double standard. Yeah, it was a very, very impressive uh, wording that he used. Absolutely, for, you know, as we said, a guy that we not not a big fan of. Um, no, not at all. All right, Max, I have something else flopping over to the West real fast, and it's something that really irks me. The Denver Nuggets have been struggling a lot recently, and we've talked about that, and I've told you that I think they're one of the best teams in the NBA when you talk about their roster construction and playoff. Uh, not playoff. <laughs> roster <laughs> construction and just who they've got and what I think they're able to do. I totally blanked on my train of thought, so I apologize for that, everybody. Um, but I don't understand why Michael Porter Jr. doesn't get more consistent minutes. It drives me crazy because the dude is an absolute walking bucket. Now he's not gonna walk. He's not gonna back up my uh, statement with how poorly he played yesterday. But on the season, he's only averaging thirteen point six games, yet he's shooting fifty percent. Yeah. Including 40% from three. He's playing, let's see, the one, two, three, 16.4 minutes a game. Uh, 26.8 minutes. Oh, sorry, I'm looking at the wrong season. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> but either way, he's averaging the fifth, low, uh, sorry, fifth highest minutes per game, and he could easily be behind Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic, the third best player on this team. They're not allowing him to get the minutes that he needs to get the stats that he can get right and that makes me mad because i just don't understand for a team that's 15 and 12 why he's not getting more minutes he's a walking bucket yeah yeah i agree looking at the nba as a whole right now something that stood up to me in terms of the standings and in terms of some of the trends in the east uh, currently tonight, obviously this could change tomorrow when this episode comes out, but currently in the East, there are three teams on winning streaks. The rest of the teams, sorry, three playoff, three of the top eight teams are on winning streaks. In the West, there are only two of the top eight on losing streaks. Six out of the eight in the West are on winning streaks, and three out of the eight on, in the East are on winning streaks. And it you can see why the West is pulling away once again as with pretty much every other season the west is pulling away in terms of the best records interesting yeah i hadn't i had not i had not noticed that trend before but it's evident as well boston who's in the middle of what i think they've lost four of their last five and is now a game above 500 is the fourth seed in the east right now if they were in the west they wouldn't be in the playoffs and both the Bucks and the 76ers are on three and four game losing streaks. Four for the Bucks, three for the 76ers. These teams can't match up with the Western Conference teams. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I think at full strength, Nets, Bucks, maybe Sixers, maybe Celtics, whatever, could have a shot in the finals. But just the overall strength of the conference, even as 
the diversification of stars has kind of balanced back out just a little bit. It's even, the quality of teams is just so significantly lacking. Yeah, it really is. And I think the issue is these teams all have such big holes that they never address. I mean, this is why it's a year-to-year basis that the East is worse than the West. 76ers have always had that one issue that they can't make it far in the playoffs. The Bucks don't have that second superstar that can work with Giannis to take them far in the playoffs. Right. But the West, they they just know how to build teams. They know how to be coached. They know how to play in the playoffs, come up clutch. They're just they better. They've just got it figured just completely, out. They're just better. I think some of it could be the West has a much better blend of youth and veteran talent on each team, whereas I think the East is a lot more one-sided, either very young or very veteran. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. It's going to be interesting because... You talk about bad teams normally get higher in the lottery, and so maybe a bunch of the young studs are in the East, but also, no, <laughs> they're not. And so it's super <laughs> weird. It's almost like I don't even see this disparity ending anytime soon. You, three of the four biggest young names are in the West. Zion, Ja, Luka, all Western Conference teams. Yeah, right. You have the young, young players, the big names, obviously, with... Um, Lamelo and the Hornets, and you could even argue Sexton on the Cavs. Woo! But the established young players, like you said, Zion, Luca, the one missing is Trey. Right. Um, but yeah, they're they're all currently in the West. Yeah. So I don't know. It's interesting to see if this parody is ever going to come back. Maybe uh, we just need to draft Bronny Junior to trade for LeBron in a few years, uh, so that it. <laughs> could you just- imagine? That's oh what I'm saying. Gosh. We need to get Bronny Jr. in the 2024, 2023, I can't remember, NBA draft at whatever pick it is, trade with the Lakers for LeBron James, and then it'll be back to even again. Bronny will be entering the draft 2023, 2024, so Cavs. I'm so good. Terrible next season. I'm so good. You get that. <laughs> so good. Hey, I don't actually want us to do terrible, but I haven't seen anything that's saying Bronny is going to be like a top 10 pick, so we could be safe. That's fair. It's also a couple years out, so you don't really know what's going to happen. Hey, Sexton and Garland are going to be the best guard duo in the NBA by that time. Oh, yeah? You, you're putting a bet on that? Absolutely not. I just wanted to say it. <laughs> <laughs> that would be pretty safe. Maybe they heard me. I mean, I've read a few, even articles on ESPN saying Sexton is ascending into that top young guard conversation even maybe top 10 which actually kind of transitions i wanted max something i've been really struggling with recently is just talking about who the best point guards in the nba are because i was just reading and reading and reading and reading stuff about the nba and at one point i got to this article on espn about damian lillard and i just feel like that man is continuously and notoriously slept on. Yeah, I don't understand how he still is. He's. I, I was listening to some analysts today. They think he's one two with Curry this season. Right. I maybe, but if we're talking true point guards, what about Kyrie Irving? Where does he rate for you? If he's now the shooting guard, what about James Harden? How about? 
Um, even I mean, even if we're just going lower, now you got to start thinking about Jamal Murray, Mike Conley, who's played extremely well, Chris Paul, um, John ja Morant. Is Luca a point guard right now? He's kind of a, he's, he's kind of with LeBron this is and why that he's just positionless. Right. This is why they for the All Star game they go front court, back court, so right. they don't have to worry. De'Aaron about Fox has been guard. playing extremely well. Um, Trey Young is super good, and then who am I missing? Drew Holiday, I think, if you want to put him at point. Like who? Who for you, Max? Are your top five point guards in the NBA? Top five in I'm order. Going to give the exact or I don't. I don't no, want to give an order. In order. I haven't thought about this. No, no. I don't All right. Know. Start with <laughs> start with your top that. five. Okay. Top five. I'll go. Steph Curry. Agreed. Um. Dame. Agreed. Trey Young. Okay. One. What? That's what. One, two, three, three. four. And you then said I'll three. I'll, I'll, I said three. Okay. Yeah, um, you said Trey, Damon, Curry. James Harden, if he's considered a point guard. We got to pick one of the Nets uh, guards to be a point guard. Is it Harden exactly, or Kyrie? Exactly. Yeah, one of the Nets guards. Who are you picking to as a point guard? Just pick one. Not who's Harden. better, just to be the point guard. Okay, Harden. Keep going. Harden. And then rounding it out with Chris Paul. Okay, I I gotta think for a second. But I think I agree. But even this article I was reading was saying Sexton's probably in that top 10 conversation, which is super exciting. Oh, he unde- yeah, he definitely is. I-, I think he has a high chance of making the All-Star game this season. Uh, he as might. A reserve. So, but I struggle because I don't know whether I will put Chris Paul at the level, I mean, maybe in terms of team impact, but statistical importance and how much he actually puts up. What about John Morant? I don't know. His I know he's in a slump right him. now. And then Jamal Murray, if we're just talking about who's best, if you talk about Jamal Murray in playoff time, my God. <laughs> my God. Oh, that so dude is electric. According to, according to ESPN, Luka actually is a point guard. Right, which is why I was asking. I don't really consider so, him a point guard, but... I don't either, but if, if we're going by that, I... He's easily top five. I would, I would put him over Trey Young this season. I think that Trey has the opportunity to get past, but I'll go top five with Curry, Doncic, Dame, uh, James Harden, and then Chris Paul. All right, ready? So here's all, another reason why I struggle. Ready for this? I'm going to read you the top scoring leaders according to ESPN this season in the NBA as point guards. Curry, Lillard. Doncic, Young, De'Aaron Fox, Colin Sexton, Malcolm Brogdon, Russell Westbrook, D'Angelo Russell, Jamal Murray, Jordan Clarkson, Kyle Lowry, Tyler Hero, Chris Paul, Mike Conley, Drew Holiday, Darius Garland, blah, 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 blah. We can keep going. You should continue and name every single point guard. Okay. In order. Chris Paul. Don't Mike. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean. Chris Paul's 14th in scoring. Graphic. There was this graphic that was going around that I sent to Josh that I found really funny, uh, talking about hyping up Devin Booker and Chris Paul for their stats. And it said that they have a combined 40.7 points together. That's not that good. Like, right. that's nothing special for two superstars. But I think, I mean, it's Chris Paul's 
impact. It's not all well, about Well, right. Points. So I just flopped over to PER, player efficiency rating, and Chris Paul is fifth. Um, and actually, yeah. your top five is pretty close to what uh, the NBA has, although Kyrie and Harden are both listed as shooting guards, I believe, which is interesting. Or maybe huh. maybe they just don't qualify, because I don't see Kyrie, who I thought would be a point guard. Um, Luka, Dame, Curry, Trey, Chris Paul are the top five as of right now. Yeah, and that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, Harden's a shooting guard, and I don't see Kyrie anywhere, so I'm wondering if he has not played enough to qualify. That is definitely possible. <laughs> he has missed a lot of games. So, yeah. Anyways, Max, I think it's about time we move on from the NBA. Um, Let's do it. I wanted to touch on something real fast, uh, and then it's going to divulge... Divulge? divulge i don't know that's not right divulge is totally different word devolve that's the word devolve into something totally different pardon my bad english everybody evolve yeah that one too devolve is kind of like going downwards (laughs) into different things evolve is kind of like going upwards into different things anyways (laughs) max just before we recorded this podcast so this is totally new off the cuff uh fernando tatis jr superstar shortstop for the san diego padres one of my favorite players in the mlb just signed he was a rookie in 2019 for you, Max. A 14-year, $340 million extension. Let me read that again I'm for you. i in all of the expletives inside my mouth. 14 <laughs> years, $340 million. That's just under $25 million a year annually. And this is what's crazy to me. And keep in mind, I love Fernando Tatis Jr. I don't think you could get me to... Put a bad word about him out of my mouth because he's awesome off the field on the field one of my favorite players max do you know how many games are in an mlb season 160 some right 162 do you want to take a guess Oof, as to how many so good do you want to take a guess as to how many total games fernando tatis jr has played in his career so far you said he's been he was a rookie in 2019 so that's two seasons. Well, but last season was short. Short, right? So, I'll go. I'll go with seventy-six. All right, a, a little aggressive. One hundred and forty-three. So he's played less <laughs> than one full season, and he just signed a fourteen-year, three hundred forty million dollar extension. That is crazy. Yeah, I mean. As a non-baseball fan, the thing that's craziest to me is that you can sign a contract for 14 years and $200 right. <laughs> million. Dollars. Yeah, no, it's crazy. Well, but if you're talking about money, I mean, what, Steph's contract was four years, $200 million when he last signed it, so it's like $50 million annually or something like well, that? Well, and now in the NFL, Pat Mahomes, 10 years, $500 million. Exactly. So the sum of money isn't crazy, but... The duration. I mean, let's... Okay, disclaimer. $340 million is a lot of freaking money. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying relatively. (laughs) So, Max, this brings up a couple interesting points for me. And I'm just going to... I'm going to ask them to you straight up. First, from the player side, what happens... If you're a player, for me, this is a no-brainer. I'm absolutely going to sign this contract if it gets offered to me. But... Is there any chance in your mind that you would say no, play it out, then sign 
a bigger contract, you know, $35 million annually if you keep up your performance? How much left? How much? How many years does he have left on his current? He's contract? probably two or three years of team control left. Probably um, three years, I'd assume. Let me check. Yeah, that is an interesting question because even if he gets traded, he is locked into this contract, making twenty-five million a year for fourteen years. Right? That's how it works. Uh, I don't know. It's guaranteed. I'd have to look. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, as a non-baseball player who would love to see any kind of money like that, I would accept it in a heartbeat. Right. Obviously, I can't speak to how you play in if you understand that like you're a generational talent, which I'm guessing he is. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I accept that in a heartbeat. But, it, yeah, exactly. it definitely so, does bring up a crazy point. Um, well, just as I was trying to find, I can't find the information on what his contract was before this. He's now up to, um, oh, he would have been a free agent in 2025, so four more years. He is now a free agent in 2035, (laughs) Um, which is insane. But, Max, my next question is from a team perspective. You've got a young guy who has absolutely played lights out over his first two years, looks like a superstar uh, quote unquote in the making, but was a superstar for you know two years. Are you willing to put fourteen years, three hundred forty million dollars on the table to lock him up? Yeah, yeah, no question. I mean, the thing that keeps going through my head as I hear this is, I can trade him in any time, and any team will want him because he's worth all this money. But what if he's you know, well, just so you know, Max, his his rookie season got cut short because of a back injury. And then he proceeded to come back and play crazy. So that's, you know, do you have injury concerns? If he does get hurt, are you completely screwed? And then also, what happens if he just stops playing well? Three years into the contract, he loses his touch, whatever. Who knows what happens? And now you're on the hook for $200 million, $300 million, and you can't find a way out of it. Yeah. I mean, I, like I said, as a non-baseball fan, I can't speak to these massive contracts and how they normally work out in terms of the longevity aspect. Right. So let's just flip it, Max, to your expertise. Uh, Baker Mayfield comes off his rookie season where he played, you know, what, 13 games? which is just under a full year, so pretty comparable, and one rookie of the year and was absolutely lights out. Would you lock him up for a little bit for, I don't know, what's a good quarterback number? $23 million a year for seven years? Yeah, I think especially as the Browns, you would. Um, and you can see that's what they're trending towards doing. Right, and that's exactly what this move was, but... You know, my hesitation as a team would be, you know, what happens if he turns into Brady Quinn? Or uh, who's a better example? I don't know, Derek Carr. Mm, still not a great example. I'm trying to think. Recent NFL Rookie of the Year If he drops off. If he drops off. Right. If he yeah, drops off significantly, you're yeah. you're on the hook for a lot of money and you're kind of screwed. Yeah, that's the risk in sports why a lot of times teams will be screwed like we were with um what was his name the quarterback that 
was supposed to be great and then kept getting injured. Which one? At the start, uh, when we came back, when the Browns came back. Couch? Yeah, Couch. <laughs> Tim Couch. Yeah, so, well, for example, Cam Newton, 2011 Rookie of the Year, Robert Griffin the third, 2012 Rookie of the Year. Exactly. One of those you would have been okay with. The other one you would have been completely screwed on. Can you imagine yeah. playing RG, paying RG3 for how he play, how his career ended up? $25 million a year for the seven years after his rookie season? Yeah. It, oh, my God, that would have been terrible. <laughs> so, I don't know. It's just an interesting perspective. I think as a team, I'd have to wait, even though sometimes you'd get bit in the butt for it. That is the risk you have to take when you're working on all those contracts. I think the GM does that. I don't really know for sure. I don't know, Max. Maybe you shouldn't go into uh, front office management. (laughs) I got some time. That's also baseball, which is boring. Josh, let's move into Believe the Hype or Psych. I've got a good one for you. All Um, right, great. As we're recording this right now, the much-hyped-up match between Naomi Osaka and Serena Williams is just beginning. I can't wait to watch! It'll be so much fun to watch. This is the rematch of the 2018 matchup. Josh, do you remember where we were when that happened? No. Where were we? We were at Gabe's Bar Mitzvah. Are you serious? I remember sitting yeah, at Camp Wise. Oh I, I remember sitting in the Khadar and watching it on my phone. And I was pissed at what happened because I had no idea what happened. It's like, who? what kind of judge is going to completely screw over? Oh, my gosh. It, that was that match? And your dad was mad. Oh, he was. Oh, he was pissed. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that was ugly. I mean, that was terrible. Yeah. All right. So, moving into Believe the Hyper Psych. Josh, Believe the Hyper Psych. Naomi Osaka will have a more successful career than Serena Williams. Oh, Psych. <laughs> Would you, your turn. I'll explain <laughs> myself in a minute, but there's no doubt in my mind. I'm saying psych as well, but I think you're not giving her enough credit. All right. What's your argument? I mean, ever since she came into the limelight beating Serena, she's been unstoppable. I don't know the exact stats. I probably should have done more research, but she has won a really, really good amount of the um, tournaments that she's played in. And she's young. I don't think that she'll be able to get to the level of Serena Williams because Serena Williams is one of the goats in female. She tennis. has won two Grand Slam titles so far. Okay. And that's in two years. Uh, I think so. So I, I don't think she will, um, but it, there is definitely an argument to be made that she could end her career really close to Serena. No, Max, I just don't. There's an argument to be made that Serena Williams is the greatest individual athlete of all time. I just yeah. don't think it's I just don't think it's happening. Yeah. All right. Uh, Let's I mean, see we're what, in agreement. We're in agreement. Yeah, I think it's a hard psych. And that's not so much about Osaka. I think so Osaka could be fabulous. But I'm going to try and find Serena f- won her first Grand Slam title in 2002 when she won three of them. And then the next year she won two of them. Oh, sorry. Oh, wait. Actually, this is interesting. She won her first Grand Slam title in 1999, actually, at the U.S. Open. 
Then she won the Grand Slam Cup in 1999, Tour Finals in 2001, and then she won three of four in 2002, and then two of three, two of four in 2003. So maybe it's possible, but I think Osaka would have to go crazy in the next two years. Right. Well, the thing is that Serena has had such a long period of time where she didn't win that that could be what helps Osaka if she's yeah. able to have sustained success. Also Obviously, true. if she ends up having a kid, she'll be in a similar situation as Serena was. That's that's the that's the solution. Never have kids. <laughs> ah, what a fool! No, nah, I'm just kidding. Tons of respect for Serena to come back and be able to ha- to win after and play at such a high level after having a kid. Because that's insane. Um, Max, believe the hyper psych. The Nets will not make it to the Eastern Conference Final without a defensively intentioned roster change. Ooh. I mean, this is what we've been arguing for so long. And I want an answer. I'm going to go with Psych. Unless they change something, add something, get rid of something, and I mean roster-wise, add a player, get rid of a player, they won't make the Eastern Conference Finals without a defensively intentioned roster change. Yeah, I'm going to say psych. The Nets have lost a lot of games that they shouldn't have lost recently. But the thing is, when it's in a seven-game consecutive series, I can't see... If If they're able to perform offensively as they should, which is obviously a very high contingency, I can't see defense being such a big issue given the rest of the teams in the East that they'll theoretically be playing. Right. And that's why I say Psych 2 is because of the other competition. However, I do think that it's going to take some... I think they're going to get in a good situation in the second round. I don't think they're going to have an issue in the first round. But I don't think they're going to make it to the finals without a roster uh, addition, defensively minded. Mostly because they're... Big three is scoring 80 points a game, which is among the best marks in history, if not the best mark in history for a trio. But that's not enough to win. That's not 150 points. What happens when Jeff Green, Jeff Green doesn't score 18 points a night and Tyler Johnson doesn't score 17 points a night? And the other thing about it is they're very injury prone. Yep. Uh, Kyrie and KD specifically. Yeah. So I'm going to say psych as well, but I don't. I can't see them winning the chip or even making the finals without a, a roster addition. Yep. All right, Josh, my final believe the hyper psych for you. The Panthers are currently talking about trading for the Texans. I don't know how much of it is speculation, how much of it is true, but the. Panthers GM, I believe, is looking to trade anything to get Deshaun Watson. Josh's three first-round picks and McCaffrey, too much for Deshaun Watson. And McCaffrey? Yep. Yes. And here's why. Because who are the Panthers going to have if they trade McCaffrey and three first-round picks? Mike Davis. Okay, no. Mike Davis is <laughs> fine. Their offensive line is fine. I love DJ Moore. He's good, but the rest of their weapons are fine. Their defense is fine. 
Deshaun Watson is not going to take a fine roster to the NFC Championship game, in my opinion. I think he's amazing. I think he's elite. But I don't think he's at a point in his in his career where he can take a fine roster and get them to the conference or to the championship game. And that's what I think trading three first round picks you need to get there. Yeah, I completely agree. The thing that holds me back from uh, this amount that uh, they could be trading for Deshaun, not that it'll happen, I'd be shocked. But it, it's not McCaffrey. I don't think that McCaffrey is the issue in this trade. I think it's the three first round picks. And I've said this for every other team. Three first round picks is way too much to give up. Oh, I disagree there. Interesting. Okay, I'm going to write this. We can talk about this at a later point. Unless you want to talk about it now. We can talk about it. No, let's move on. All right, I'll write it down for another time. Um, Max, I believe the hyper psych. Last one of the day. Um, Max, the Heat, the Miami Heat, have won four of their last five. Believe the hyper psych, the Heat will end up making the Eastern Conference Finals. Psych. I thought you were going to say playoffs. The Eastern No, they're going to make the playoffs no easy. Way. They're totally no going to make the playoffs. No, they're not going to make it that far. Uh, that means that, theoretically, uh, save any upsets that work in their favor, they would have to beat the 76ers, the Nets, or the Bucks to get there. And I don't think they're able to do that in a seven-game series. Obviously, the Heat beat the Bucks last season uh, to get into the finals, but I can't see that happening again. Wow. Also... The Heat are currently on a two-game losing streak. Okay, so maybe that stat was from yesterday. So they were <laughs> four of five. Now they're four of six. They're five and five in the last ten. Well, what's their last six? Oh, I don't know. Exactly. Um, yeah, they had won four in a row prior to that. So okay. I just yep. didn't. Yep. It. And to be fair, their last two losses were to the Clippers and Jazz, two of the best teams in the NBA right now. Also, their four wins were the Rockets, <laughs> the, Rockets the, Knicks, the Knicks, the Knicks, and the, and the Wizards. To be fair, the Knicks are the sixth seed in the Eastern Conference right now. So, yeah. I don't know. I'm just saying, I'm going to say believe the hype because I'm a Jimmy Butler fanatic, emphasis on fanatic, and I think that if they make it into the playoffs, he can will them on his own to the uh, Eastern Conference Finals. Um, also, because I think that the, bu- the Bucks. And the Sixers will both crumble in the playoffs, and then the Nets will just not be defensively minded enough. Moving on. All right. We've got quite the prediction on the rest of the season. Seriously, Josh, let's head boom. into a new segment today. Let's get it, Max. Um, that I like to call fact or crap. Crap. This is where we give each other facts, uh, crazy facts about sports, and the other person has to guess if that is fact or if that is straight doo-doo and not correct. Josh, fact or crap? In 1963. Oh, whoa, you went way wild with this. Oh, I went way wild with this. Oh, that's super awkward. Mine are not that crazy. Next week, I'll get you. (laughs) Next week, I'll get you. Keep going. All right. In 1963, Hall of Fame pitcher Gaylord Perry, talk about a good name, said, They'll put a man on the moon before I hit a home run. On July 20th, 1969, a few hours after Neil Armstrong. Sets foot on the moon. Perry hits his first and only home run. Josh, is this fact or crap? Mag, that's crazy, and it's totally a fact. It is totally a fact. I found this and wanted to include it. I didn't know how to make it so that it would be false and trip you up a bit. 
That is one of the coolest facts. That's so cool. Sports that I've ever I've never knew heard. that before. Never knew that before. Wow, Max, I'm totally gonna let you down from my fact of craps because <laughs> I didn't. Anyways, next week they'll be much better. Uh, Max, Baker Mayfield this season became the first Browns quarterback to start all 16 games in a in consecutive seasons since Bernie Kosar did it in the mid 1990s. Oh, wow. It could totally be a fact. Like, that would not surprise me at all. Right. Because of how many quarterbacks we've had. Don't make me 16... pull out the jersey. Exactly right. Complete Two complete back-to-back seasons. 16 games in consecutive seasons. First time since Bernie Kosar did it in the mid-1990s. I'm going to say fact. Crap! You were wrong! <laughs> the last quarterback to do it for the Browns was Brian Sipe from 1978 to 1981. We haven't had a quarterback start 16 games in back-to-back seasons since Brian Sipe oh. in the first year of the 80s. Was he uh, back-to-back-to-back? Will that change next season? Uh, I don't know. Probably not. We're going to be so right, good Josh. where he's going to sit out the 17th game. <laughs> I'm knocking on wood. Don't worry. Yeah. Factor crap. In 2011, it was estimated by the NFL that a little over 50 kids a year are conceived at football tailgates. <laughs> crap. It's totally more than 50. That is so correct. It is such crap. It's over 100. Are you serious? <laughs> In 2011, over 100 kids were estimated to be conceived at football tailgates. Oh my god, that's amazing. <laughs> oh god, good for tailgaters. <laughs> Super Bowl babies. Dude, do you remember the Super Bowl baby commercials? One of oh, the best Super Bowl commercials ad. of all time. That was hilarious. Oh yeah, that was so good. Um, Alright, Max. Fact or crap? James Robinson, the Jacksonville Jaguars rookie running back, didn't play the entire season. I believe he got cut short one game, two games. Yeah, uh, but I think it was two games. He had the most scrimmage yards ever for an undrafted rookie. That is true. It it is true. Good job, Max. <laughs> Thank you. He had an incredible season. I'm excited. A thousand four hundred and fourteen scrimmage yards, including a thousand seventy rushing yards and ten touchdowns. What a beast! Can you imagine him with Trevor Lawrence if he turns out to be? Everything plus, if the some speculations come true that Chris Godwin is going to the Jaguars, why would Chris Godwin go to the Jags? Is he a free agent? So that he can be the number one. Yeah, he's a free agent. I did not realize that. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. I mean, the Bucks yeah. have AB now, so they're probably cool letting him exactly. walk, which would suck. And they but don't also, have they don't have the money. Plus, to pay him. I was gonna say they need to get Levante David back if they get one of their free agents back from this season. Anyways, we'll talk about NFL free agency another day, Max. Your turn. All right, my final factor crap. The world record for a 100-meter dash by someone 100 years or older is 40 seconds. What? Is that fact or is that crap? Uh, crap, it's faster than that. Fact. It is, I was not expecting you to say it's faster. <laughs> the record was set by Julia Hurricane Hawkins. And she That's was currently awesome. 104 years old. I believe she was 101 when she set the record. That's super cool. 
I can't do an 100 meter dash that fast. So that's awesome. <laughs> um, I feel like you can. 40 seconds is. No, I really bad. can't. I'm super slow, Max. <laughs> uh, Max, fact or crap? Only three franchises in NFL history have won the Super Bowl in three different decades the Green Bay Packers, the New York Giants, and the New England Patriots. That's crap. Correct, but why? What do you mean, but why? Because it is. Well, two of them are true. Like, what What part of that statement? Yeah. You said the Packers, the Giants, and the Patriots? Mm-hmm. Well, I know the Patriots have. Is it the Packers or the Giants? I'm going to go with the Packers. Nope. Was it the, the Patriots? Patriots are the only team out of the three I named to not have won a Super Bowl in three different oh, decades. Oh, but they they played. They haven't won, but they've played. Yeah, they because lost Brady. their Super Bowl in the right. uh, 80s, I think. Um, but yeah, the Giants and the Packers have all won Super Bowls in three different decades. Crazy. Fun fact. Well, Josh, okay. that was a very fun segment. Yeah, I'm but next week I'm actually going to live up to it, so sorry. <laughs> All right, real quick, before we end this, let's go into our surprises and disappointments from the week. Yeah. Um, as sports are kind of not so exciting right now. I was going to say, um, it's super lame right now because we're in the lull of the NBA season. Baseball hasn't started, and you don't care anyways, and nothing's going on in the NFL. Exactly. So, Josh, my biggest surprise comes from Utah. Um, I was watching a stream of their game the other day with the – whatever team, uh, the 76ers, I believe it was. And they were talking about a really cool initiative that they started this season. The Jazz are currently giving out a four-year scholarship to underrepresented students for every win in their preseason and regular season. That is so cool. So they went 3-0 and in the preseason, which means that they are currently planning on giving 26 scholarships, four-year scholarships to underrepresented students. That's amazing. That area. That's incredible, and as a player, like there is not a better reason to play exactly. than for a scholarship for these kids, and they're twenty three and five. That could be a big reason. Okay, that's that's awesome. Yeah, that's a great way to motivate your players as well. Uh, Max, my surprise is a lot less interesting, but maybe I could have done this for fact or crap. So I'm actually going <laughs> to ask it this way. Um, hey, Max. So D'Angelo Russell. <laughs> And Carl Anthony Towns have been on the Timberwolves roster for the past 375 days. Fact or crap, they've only played five games together. That's a fact. Five games in 375 days oh on the same roster. Talk about an... I mean, I know that you have that in surprise, but that's really a disappointment. Yeah, well, right now, it's with very little like surprising performances, they kind of blend together, <laughs> so... Yeah, but I mean, talk about a disappointment in general, D'Angelo Russell's career. <laughs> I wish he stayed on the Nets. That would have been so much better. That team was awesome. That was great. A bunch of not superstars playing at a superstar level. It's the Heat, except the Heat have Jimmy Butler, who's a superstar. Right, exactly. All right, so, my biggest disappointment is another factor crap uh, t- type of thing, so I'll... Uh, present it to you the same way that you presented that last one to me. Josh, Blake Griffin hasn't dunked since 2019. What? <laughs> since 2019? 
granted, he was injured most of last season and only played, I think, under 20 games. But How have you not dunked in 20 games as Blake Griffin? (laughs) (laughs) He is not the same Blake Griffin that we grew up knowing. Wow, that is crazy. That is disappointing because he was so sick. Yeah, that stat uh, comes from Jalen Rose, so shout out to the Michigan man. Yeah, Um, Max. Oh, whoa. That was a big yawn. (laughs) Sorry, everybody. Um... Yeah, I don't know what that where that came from. I'm having a great day. <laughs> <laughs> Max, my last disappointment is a little bit of a heavier one. Um, NBA players have been wary of supporting the COVID vaccine as it's come out and began to become more available to the to society, and that's disappointing to me. A lot of these NBA players are viewed as really cultural icons right now. I mean, LeBron James may be the most influential man in America, to be honest. And for the majority of NBA players, either to just not support it flat out or just be cautious of voicing how much they support it is disappointing to me because a lot of people look up to these people as social icons. I was seconds away from putting that as my disappointment as well um, because I heard that story. But the thing that stood out to me about why that is not disappointing anymore because my first reaction was what is going on like that is extremely disappointing and then I heard some analysts talking about it more the black community is not given the same resources in any regard including the vaccine how can these NBA players come out and support the majority black NBA come out in support of the vaccine and encouraging people to get it when the people that they know and their family and their friends and the black community in general isn't given the opportunity to get the vaccine and so yes i agree that in a general standpoint they should really be pushing for people to be taking the vaccine but they're taking whether it's advertent or inadvertent i don't know if advertent is a word um but they're taking a stand against the lack of equality in terms of people getting it interesting so i'm not one to get political and i don't even know if this is but is it taking a stand or i'm not sure taking a stand is the right word because unless they're calling it out for that right right i don't know if that's bringing awareness to it in which case maybe that's what they should be doing that's why i said advertently or inadvertently I think it is inadvertently. I haven't seen any players outwardly talk about the vaccine, but that is a story that's going around right now. Because if that's what the reasoning is, I'm by all means in support of that, but how come then no one's saying anything about it? Right. Yeah. I I think that right now, um, the top two issues that need to be on the forefront of these NBA players' minds, which we can talk about this for a long time, how important the NBA has come become to social equality and how amazing of a job the players and the organization has done uh, to promote equality and equity and the Black Lives Matter movement. They've done an amazing job, but this now needs to be another issue that they take a stand on, whether it is let's get vaccines to everybody or whether it's we're not going to agree to take a vaccine and promote it until we see our black communities home at home getting the same resources that the wealthier white communities are getting. Absolutely. 
and like I said again, I just want to make this abundantly clear. If that's what it is, totally in support of it. I just hope that they vocalize whatever they're feeling about it. Yep, I agree. So, Max, well, that's all I've got for you today. So unless you have all kinds of burgeoning thoughts in that crazy, churning little head of yours, that might be the end of the episode. Josh, there are a lot of thoughts in this head that you do not want to hear right now. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Probably not. Uh, anyways let that be a warning to anybody who's looking at being friends with my best friend Max Steiger it, it's a handful it's a lot it is a handful but, yeah I mean I, I like to think that the pros outweigh the cons by but, a little bit you know, there, I've, right, I, I've heard mixed reviews on my friendships so. have you ever looked at the ground seen a penny and how much bigger the penny is than the ground because that's about the, di- the how much the pros outweigh the cons by I'm going to be honest with you. I had no idea where you were going. I thought you were being <laughs> just like completely random with that statement. I had no idea how it was going to end. <laughs> well, that's how it ended today, Max. So, <laughs> Max, have a great weekend, everybody, uh, even though it's Wednesday. And because it's almost Friday, and that means it's almost the weekend, as one of my good friends once said. So we will see you. Thank you for listening. If you have gotten this far, shoot us a message. We'd love to hear from you and uh, what you think about the podcast. All right. Have a great week, everybody. Have a good one.